1: You're listening to MoneyFM 89.3, I'm Chua Kintian with your market view. Now, I promise we're going to be discussing something out of this world today, or at least out of the Earth surveys. And I'm talking about satellites and the low Earth orbit here. Now, up in the low Earth orbit, anywhere between 160 and 1,000 kilometers above ground, that's where you'll see lots and lots of satellites used for a variety of purposes, including geo-imaging and telecommunications. How many, you might ask, observers believe there are 4,500 satellites, with close to half being Starlinked, which is operated by SpaceX, to provide internet coverage to over 40 countries. Here's the problem. Now, while businesses are launching satellites into space, no one is clearing up the debris of old satellites, and that increases the risks of them bumping into one another in space. That! Creates and opportunities for companies to come up with solutions to clear space debris. But how big is the market really and what challenges do companies in this arena face in securing industry buy-in? Now, for more, I speak to Christopher Charles Blackaby, Chief Operations Officer at Astroscale. Astroscale is a Japanese-based startup that provides scalable solutions to clear debris in space. Hi, Chris.
0: Hello, Tian Tian.
1: I've been looking forward to this conversation, actually. uh, Chris was introduced to your company many years ago, about six years ago when I met an astronaut, Naoko Yamazaki, in Tokyo. And it's really interesting in terms of the work that you do. So get us started with the basics. What is your solution? How does your company clear up space debris?
0: Well, thank you so much, Tian Tian, And I first uh, commend you for your clear understanding of the LEO orbits and the data that's involved there. Uh, it is a serious issue and becoming more so daily. And really, when we start from the basics, there's three main issues that we need to know about debris. We need to understand where it is, what's the, what's the current situation. We need to remove the current pieces of debris, the trash that's already up there. And we need to prepare satellites before they launch to be removed easier and and cheaper in the future. And from Astroscale side, we're doing all of these things. We're doing the technical side. We're, We're working with companies to prepare their satellites so that they can be docked with in the future. And the technology we're focused on for that is a magnetic capture. So talking to companies to put a plate on their satellite that has a ferromagnetic surface, then we can go up with a magnet and extend and capture it and bring it down. We're also working to build out uh, robotic arms that we can grab onto satellites that aren't prepared to be removed and to get those out of the way. And for the final thing, we're also putting on sensors that can understand the orbits, get a picture of what it looks like in situ to provide better assessment to the operators on Earth. So we're focused on all three of the technical side of solving this problem.
1: And the easier way for our listeners to understand that, uh, would it be right to say that it's like a space sweeper. So sweeping up the debris in space, would it be right to say that? Capturing, finding satellites, and then sweeping them up, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's what we call ourselves, the space sweepers. So to go up there and to grab onto these pieces of debris, we're focused on the larger pieces. There's a lot of really small pieces that it's going to be really tough to address from a business and a technical perspective. But we're focused on the larger pieces, failed satellites, upper stage rocket bodies, And go up there and just move them out of the way, reduce that risk to the companies that are operating in space right now.
1: So Chris, uh, let's talk about your current stage of development. What is the current stage of development and testing? And when will your solutions be rolled out commercially?
0: We're actually doing stuff. We're not just talking about it, Tian Tian. We have a mission in orbit right now that we launched in 2021 in March called ELSA-D, End of Life Services by Astroscale Demonstration. And with this mission, we launched two satellites together, a larger satellite that's our servicer that's attached to a smaller satellite that's kind of like a demo piece of debris. And that smaller satellite has that plate that I talked about on it. So while they were in orbit, we separated them and then extended out a robotic extension that has a magnetic surface on it and attached to it. And so we proved the technology that we can find, we can track and we can dock with an object in orbit. So it was a huge step with the mission that we have now. And we're pursuing new missions with customers over the next several years. Uh, and this is the, the technical test that we're moving forward on. But really we're focused on other things too, like the, like the policy side of it. And that's a big part of making a business in the space industry, is to work with policymakers around the world to address this issue. So we're focused not just on the technical demonstrations, which I explained, but also working with policymakers and companies to assure that this is a sustainable business going forward.
1: Yeah, since we're on the topic, let's talk about money. Who is making up your investor base at the moment? I understand you raised over $300 million US dollars with investors, including Innovation Network Corporation of Japan, Nintendo's family office. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, we have to talk about the money side. This is what's going to drive it all. You know, it's, and, and that's what we're talking about, right? That's what your show <laughs> is about. So, um, you know, the, the space business traditionally over the decades has been very focused on government missions, but it's changing. And you mentioned Starlink as a great example of the SpaceX constellation of satellites. So it's becoming a business and we have investors. And And these investors are not donors; they're not companies that are just giving a contribution or donation. They want to see a return. So these investors see that this business is viable. You mentioned we've raised three hundred million dollars. Again, all of those are through investments that people want to see a return on, and we expect that to happen Now, as for our investors globally, you mentioned INCJ, a large lead investor based out of Japan. Uh, We've got a variety of investors now going globally. So primarily up until our last fundraise, we were really focused on on Japan. And and most of our fundraising had come from Japan, both banks, uh, some institutional investors, uh, some uh, insurance companies were putting in money. In our last investment, which we closed uh, at the end of 2021, we actually expanded that. Uh, and we've got investors from the UK, a, a group called Seraphim, which is one of the more well known space investors globally, provided money. Uh, an insurance company that has a Japan and, and French connection, AXA, provided some input. So we're, we're now expanding a bit internationally, uh, and, and we're going to continue to try to do that. This is an international issue. It takes international investors, and it takes an international company to solve the problem.
1: And uh, speaking about investors, I think we also need the help of customers as well. So share with us a little bit more about your customer base. You mentioned it's not just about government missions. So who are you working with as well in terms of your clients?
0: So with all space in the the ecosystem here and and really with any developing technology, the the government investment is a key base level. And so we're working with governments. We have uh, government investment from Japan, the Japan Space Agency, JAXA. We have a mission. We're working with them. That's going to launch next year. Uh, we've got government investment from the UK and the European Space Agency, and we've got government investment at the R and D stage from the US as well, US government. But that's the start line. the The next step is going to be is going to be uh, commercial customers, and and one of the the main ones that we're working with is OneWeb. Uh, So that is another constellation that's launching hundreds of satellites into low Earth orbit. And OneWeb is making an incredible step towards space sustainability. They are putting that docking plate I explained that has that ferromagnetic surface. They're putting those on all of their satellites. That doesn't contribute to their business of providing Mm. communications, Mm. all that's there for is to make sure that they're sustainable going forward. And that's one of the main customers that we're working with in the near term.
1: Astroscale also secured funds, from what I understand, about 14.8 million euros from the European Space Agency for a demo mission in 2024 to remove a OneWeb satellite. So what would the funds be used for?
0: So that mission is going to be the first step, Tian Tian, in demonstrating our commercial capability. Uh, To do this in a commercially viable nature, we can't just launch one satellite and go and bring another piece of debris down and then be done. A one-for-one removal is not sustainable financially. So we need to be able to do multiple missions with one of our servicers. So that's what we're starting to demonstrate with this ESA OneWeb cooperation that you just explained. We're building out a capability for a servicer that will be able to do multiple missions, removing three or eventually more pieces of debris with one servicer. And that's the first step that we're doing, and we're gonna be demonstrating that on a OneWeb satellite. So we're still working with OneWeb and ESA on the details of that mission, but that's the baseline of it.
1: If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Christopher Charles Blackaby, Chief Operations Officer at Astroscale. Now, Chris, another thing that I'm very curious about, We have another startup that's called Orbit Fab. It wants to build a space station to refill satellites by 2025. And AstroScale so far is the only customer that has publicly signed up for the service. What synergies or what opportunities do you see in there?
0: It's just so cool to think about Tian Tian. This. Ecosystem that's being developed in space, Indeed. isn't it?
1: Yes. I, I
0: mean, we're talking about gas stations and 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 tow trucks, which is basically what we are, uh, and and more launch vehicles, which are just delivery trucks. We're developing a whole ecosystem in orbit, just like we have down here, and 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 we see that there's going to be commercial space stations where people can go, so hotels, so everything that we have terrestrially, we're going to be seeing that happening. Uh, in orbit over the next years and decades. So OrbitFab is a great example uh, and a great partner of ours that's, that's driving these steps toward in orbit refueling. I talked about our, our mission in the UK that does multiple uh, services for multiple pieces of debris. One of the limitations on doing more is fuel. We are gonna run out of fuel basically if we have to do multiple missions. So what's the obvious connection to make sure we can do even more missions refueling? So we're really uh, excited about OrbitFab's prospect and capability to be able to refuel satellites to maintain their their service and to refuel us to be able to service more customers Mm. in LEO and also potentially in GEO, which is the higher orbit's which we're also focused on on, on repairing satellites and right. extending the life in geo.
1: So, uh, Chris, the Northern Sky Research is estimating the market for in-orbit services, which includes debris removal and also what OrbitFab is doing, to generate 14.3 billion US dollars in revenue by 2031. What is your assessment of the market right now? How much market share do you expect to gain?
0: So I'd first start by saying that that, that assessment of NSR, Northern Sky Research, it's 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 great. Potentially, it's even low. I mean, the, the the market for on-orbit servicing writ large, and that includes the refueling that we talked about with OrbitFab. That includes our our deorbit services. But the capability we're developing for deorbit can be applicable to a wide range of things. It can be applicable to uh, to to servicing and fixing and repairing satellites, to moving them between orbits, potentially to bringing something one to, to, to another satellite. If we look down the line, maybe a little farther than 2000, than 2031, we're going to get to the area of recycling in orbit. Uh, and, and there's going to be a whole development of this economy. So we are very bullish on the, the prospects for orbit in orbit servicing writ large. Uh, and, and we think we can be, um, uh, a, a strong player and a leader in this area. As to our market share, uh, tough to say an exact number right now. We, we're one of the only ones that are doing this, that are proving this out. But the market has become much more crowded. And that's a good thing. This is proving mm. out that the market exists. When, when yes. the company started nine years ago, Astroscale, there was nobody that was doing this. Nobody was even talking about right. that. Yes. On the contrary, people thought it was crazy. Now we see that there are there are really uh, almost, do, I'd say, dozens of companies that are participating with components or services involved uh, that are connected to space servicing. So we think we're going to continue to be a leader in terms of market share going forward. But we have to stay vigilant and stay on top because there's competitors out there now.
1: So, Chris, um, very quickly, any numbers to share at this point, whether it's revenue numbers or Anything along that lines that you're comfortable with sharing at this point in time?
0: So we're not really talking about that right now. I will say Tian, Tian that we are bringing in revenue. So I'll I'll start with that. We are we are not a pre-revenue company. We have revenue coming in. Uh, we're not really talking about that that publicly, um, but it is happening. I mean, you mentioned, of course, the ESA mission. So you can you can see publicly that there are some numbers coming in, uh, and and that's different. Than a lot of other space companies, uh, the fact that we're actually starting to bring it in. So um, this is this is the front end. We are at the first few steps of climbing this this incredible mountain that's going to be uh, that's going to be the on-orbit servicing economy, uh, and and we're moving up there quickly now. So uh, hopefully we can uh, talk again sometime, and I can give you some more information as we develop more.
1: Oh, that will be very nice. And one last question before we let you go, Chris, uh, my producer, Anthea, has been asking me this, and it is a question that we must ask all space companies. What do you think about space tourism? Is it an area area that you think would have some synergies with your company or is it a stretcher?
0: Space tourism is going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So... Uh, there are multiple companies, private companies right now that are, that are building space stations that will be viable in the next five to 10 years. So it's going to happen. You can get your ticket, Tian Tian, at some point. You can make sure you take that holiday in space. And there are definite synergies with on-orbit servicing market. Uh, there's going to have to be a need, first of all, to reduce the risks of debris. When we're talking about humans in space, suddenly the risks jump way up versus, versus an, an object, a satellite. We need to protect those people in space. We need to reduce the risks. So that's one major area. But then, as I mentioned, that whole on-orbit servicing market where we can bring things, where we can move objects around in orbit, it's going to be applicable to the space tourism market as well. So there's a clear synergy between what we're doing and the space tourism market. And both markets, on-orbit servicing and space tourism, are really right around the corner.
1: All right, thank you very much, Christopher. That was Christopher Charles Blackaby, Chief Operations Officer at Astroscale. And let's all hope that we can all go to space one day.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.